Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. The podcast is back for another week and I am joined by Alejandro Diago. How are things, Alejandro? Hi Angelina, how are you doing? I'm fine. Good, yes, all good here and we are also joined by her football hubs, Megan Hughes. How are things, Megan? They're great, thank you. Thank you for having me back on. No problem at all. Right, let's talk about Wednesday night's game. Let's go straight into it, straight into the Women's Super League. It was the big one, Chelsea against Manchester City, and it ended in a 2-2 draw. It was a good game, but it ended in a draw. Alejandro, for the neutrals, do you think that was the game that we were expecting because I di- obviously there were goals, I was expecting goals, but I really saw this as somebody winning it. Yeah, of course. I think it's it was a game between the top two of the of the women's super league, and we were it was a game funny. It was a game with goals, and it was a game nice to see for the for the fans. So it was a, a game where we were expecting action, and we have a lot of action. Yeah, definitely. Um. I mean, at the end of the game, Emma Hayes said, I was so relieved the game finished. I hated every minute of the second half. It was uncomfortable and painful. I'm delighted it's finished. Megan, do you think that her reaction to this um, has you thinking that maybe, and I guess rightly so, looking at, you know, City's performance at stages in the game, do you think that she was maybe a little bit intimidated by the City team and was thinking they could win this game, it needs to be over? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I think at this point in the league, any team coming up against Manchester City would be a bit of a fool not to be slightly intimidated. Um, The people they have in their ranks is just incredible. So, of course, I'm sure she was intimidated, but I think... It's important to remember it's Emma Hayes. She's the manager of Chelsea. She has got some of the best players in the world on the pitch. So, of course, it was going to be a nail-biting finish because it was such a competition against both teams. And I really do not envy her having to watch those last few minutes. But um, I'm sure she's got a lot of respect for the Man City team as well because, obviously, they're a top-side team. And I think, you know, as as painful as it was to watch, um, I think she would have enjoyed... A little bit, at least, um, seeing her team come out against one of the best sides in the world, I think. Most definitely. And I I guess you can kind of relate to that feeling of something being uncomfortable and painful. As a Manchester United fan, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I mean, Chelsea's second half performance, you know, it it was poor at times. Um, Anne Kastrenberger really did save the day. I mean, she was brilliant. Hay spoke about her being an unbe- unbelievable asset and also said, and I quote, the more pressure, the more she responds. There's a mentality within the dressing room that regardless of whether we are playing well or not, somebody will bail us out. Alejandro, what did you make of the goalkeeper's performance? Uh, really, we are talking about one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Uh, Anne-Katrin Berger has showed herself that she's Top level goalkeeper, and she can be uh, the main, the main, the main starter for the German national team and also for Chelsea. And I think if the, if uh, Chelsea wants to win something this year, I mean something big. So you mean I mean Champions League. She can be one of the keys to get the title to the Blues. Uh, really, uh, yesterday she was she was very hard, very. Very tough to to beat, and what uh, what the, the Chelsea coach said after the game, she was bailing out the team. So, yeah, they have a star. Mm, they definitely do, and I mean, I think again, everybody can relate to that feeling. Well, maybe not everybody, but I I like the way that she put that. That whether we're playing well or not, somebody will bail us out. You know, there's always. As, you know, if somebody's not on form, there's always going to be somebody else on form that will be able to help them. Um, of course, there were a few faces missing. Megan, do you think that the absence of both club captains in Magda Eriksson and Steph Horton was felt on the pitch? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in the dying stages of the game where it all got a bit frantic and City were really, really pushing for that winner. Um it's especially in those moments of a game where you need your leaders to step up to take control of the team and to direct them and see the game out. And obviously with both uh, sides missing their captains, I think they were definitely um, 
their presence was definitely missed. And I mean, I know I watched the game and um, the camera cleverly panned to their faces quite a few times. And I think they were looking just as pained, just as nervous, just yeah. as anguished as the managers. So you could definitely tell not only were the fans missing them, but I think they were themselves so gutted to be missing the game. Yeah, I mean, arguably the biggest game in the Women's Super League this season. So to be missing it, oh yeah, it must have hurt. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Chelsea did look shaky at times, as did Manchester City. They both had their moments of greatness and their moments where they weren't necessarily, you know, picture perfect. Alejandro, do you think that this result will give City hope going forward that Chelsea could possibly slip up um, because they did look shaky occasionally? Or with two league games to go, do you think this will just be how the season finishes? Uh, we will have a really a really tough uh, end of season, and I think uh, even if Man City had showed yesterday that they could beat Chelsea and they are on the same level, I think the Blues they will end winning the title. So uh, really, I think Man- Man- Manchester City they were fighting so hard, they were trying to do their best, but they need one extra thing that Chelsea has. So I think Chelsea will will be the one who get the title. I agree. Um, I I feel like as as a neutral in that title race, um, it, it, it's kind of like, I guess you don't, it, take, taking away any personal opinion I would have as a Manchester United fan, just looking at it as a football fan, I guess either team are, in my opinion, well and truly worthy of winning the title. But I do feel like Chelsea maybe just have that that little something extra um, and it, it will definitely be well-deserved if they lift the title. Or like I say, if City do. Um, I mean, Gareth Taylor spoke about what they need to beat Chelsea. Um, You kind of touched on it there, Alejandro. You know, he said details. You can see there's very little between both squads. We're more or less a new squad. We have shown that we are capable of being there with them. I think it's just time and small details. Megan, do you think that's an accurate description of, of what they need, really? I mean, to an extent, I think what really let City down on the day is um, their defending. Um, and obviously they brought in some names obviously they've got Abby Dahlkemper one of the top defenders in the world obviously American she's done amazing things over in America so to come over here she had big expectations but I mean if you look at both of Chelsea's goals they were defending errors the first one Samka Chelsea you know Samka got her head on to that corner but Chelsea uh, sorry City's defending had to be better for that and similarly for the second goal um Robert giving away a penalty it was too easy more in the first half admittedly but it was too easy for Chelsea to get in behind so maybe yeah if we're going to talk about details that could be one of them that City were lacking um their their fine-tuning because as amazing as they are attacking they've also got to remember that they're playing against Chelsea so they need to bring that performance from attacking straight back into the defending and I just don't think they had that um quality in their back line especially in the first half yeah, I definitely agree with that one. I feel like, um, you know, if things had been different, I think it probably might have been, um, you know, a different scoreline. And I just feel like they, they did let themselves down. I think, like I say, Chelsea had moments where they weren't perfect. But I think that back line of cities will maybe be looking at themselves and, and questioning one or two things. I mean, at the end of the day, they still walk away with a point. It's not really changed much. But you can imagine if they would have lost that game, it would not have been good at all. And they really would have been questioning themselves even more. Um, But yeah, I mean, me personally, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but I really thought there was going to be. And this is probably naive of me because when you look at it on paper, these teams are both extremely strong teams um, and, you know, both competing at similar levels. But I don't know. I just thought that there was maybe, I don't know. I just thought there was going to be a winner and a loser. I don't know, but um, but yeah, I mean, gr- a great game for us all to watch. Very entertaining, and I'm sure all eyes will definitely be on those final two league games. I don't think Chelsea are going to slip up, um, but again, I think it's been a brilliant season from Manchester City as well. Um, 
Next up, we'll head over to France and um, we'll touch on a game from, from the weekend. Could it be the end of the road for Lyon? I mean, after their five-year reign as European champions, you know, has it come to an end? It has. Um, you know, PSG ended their reign, um, Lyon's reign, of course, as they drew 2-2 on aggregate, but it was PSG who went through in the Champions League semi-final. Of course, their game was played a little bit later because of some COVID-19 issues, but... Yeah, P PSG knocked them out. Alejandro, it was Leon legend uh, Wendy Renard who scored the own goal that sent PSG through. I mean, that has to hurt. Really, it's so hard that even you are the star, the captain of Lyon, and you score the goal that sends your team out of the competition. It's something, it's a very sad moment. It's a very sad time, but I think... Wendy Renard, she will be back with Lyon and she will uh, she will still have football to show that she's a top-level uh, player and she will give some titles more to L Olympique Lyonnais before she says goodbye to football. That I hope it will, it will take some more years for that. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I'm sure we'll still be seeing great things from her. Um... And you know what? She's one of those players with that quality and that experience. I'm sure she can just kind of brush herself off and keep it moving, hopefully. Um, I mean, Megan, seeing the way that PSG celebrated, um, I mean, it, it really was special when you watched the footage. Um, how much do you think this means for this club? Because it, it's massive, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's absolutely huge. And I think the win meant so much more than just getting through to the semi-finals obviously that is a massive achievement in its own right but it's the context behind the win you know knocking out the champions the reigning champions god knows how many i think it's seven time champions of uh, the champions league and as well they've had so much competition in the league their own league against leon as well so for psg to do this it's just such a big feat and I think they absolutely deserve to celebrate the way they did because they must have been over the moon. Yeah, it's, it is, like you say, it's, there's so many different levels to how important that win was. Um, you know, it's going to be a season where Leon are not going to be lifting that, uh, that Champions League title. Obviously, they're competing in the league. It, it's just crazy. Um, and I mean, speaking of the league, PSG are in the lead um, of their domestic league. There's still plenty of games to go. Um, including a meeting between the two. Um, Alejandro, do you think that Leon now they really just need to brush themselves off, push for this league? And if they don't win the league, is this season a disappointment? No, Leon needs to focus on the league because it's the only title they can get now. It's the, it's the title they can fight for, a part of the, the Coupe of France. But I think that if they don't win the, the, the league, it will be a disappointment, of course. It will be... A, a, a disappointment not win a title in fact and in fact being at the team that has ranked the competition in France and in Europe during all these years but it's a ta it's a it's a it's a thing that it, it shows that uh, women's football is changing women f women's football is developing and even getting harder and harder and harder and uh, it will be so hard now to win titles the times of uh, Olympic Lyonnais as the the one and only dominating team in France, I think they are over. I agree. And I guess Leon will probably be looking at it, I don't, I don't know, maybe a little bit disappointed in that things are changing. But at the same time, they must be looking at it as quite an exciting time because things are going to be getting even more competitive. Um, and surely, you know, that's a good thing to keep them on their toes as well. Um, I mean, Katerina... Uh, Macario, she did comment on COVID and their physical condition that affected the result. But do you think that's a fair comment or were they simply not good enough? I mean, of course, um, Corona has been such, had such a huge impact on women's teams all over the globe this season. And I'm sure to an extent it will affect performances, especially when some of your key players are missing. But saying that, they are, they are Leon and they are famous for having the top ranked players uh, in their team and even with the absences they were suffering from due to uh, covid they i don't think it's fair i think it's a bit of a cop-out to blame it all down to absences due to covid 
you know, they still have some of the top stars on the pitch for them. And, you know, with all the, the class they've got in their ranks, the class they've got with the coaching staff, they were expected to bring a performance and didn't. So, you know, of course, Corona has a part to play, but the players must also take a slice of responsibility. I agree. Um, I mean, it, it, it can't have been easy, but also, I mean, I know that uh, PSG didn't necessarily have like as, as many like cases of COVID and stuff like that, but, you know, they still will have been affected as in it will have cha- messed up their fixture list and changed things up for them and stuff like that. Um, so I think both teams will have been affected. Maybe you can argue that Leon were affected more so, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that you have to take the responsibility as well, that maybe they, they just weren't good enough. Um, I mean, PSG will be facing Barcelona. Um, Alejandro, how are you feeling about that fixture? It's going to be very, very tough and very funny to see, not only because it can be a rematch from men's uh, uh, tie in men's Champions League, of course. but also it can be also uh, the, 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 a, 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 a tie between two teams that they have been a surprise. They have been, not, not a surprise, but they, ha- they are the alternative to the Lyon dominance in Europe and with the rumor that maybe Irene Paredes, the Spain's national team captain and one of the uh, P- and, and also PSG captain, can sign for Barcelona next season. In fact, they were some Catalan media. They were reporting that uh, uh, she has gone medicals now, and they were only need, needing need, they were only needing for the signature just to make the new contract. Oh, nice. You know what? A nice little exclusive there. Thank you for that one. I mean, that is, um, I mean, that's just going to add a completely different layer to it, isn't it? Um, And that would be very, very exciting, especially if Barcelona go through. That is the point because it was it was very curious that uh, on the on the on the weeks on the days before of PSG, we get this news. I think it was a couple of days ago and it was so, so exciting because it's not only Irene Paredes that she's the captain of the, of the Spanish national team, but also she's playing a tie with PSG in less than uh, 72 hours. Mm. So, and this rumor that they, they are going to say uh, she's, she has uh, she has almost signed a contract with Barcelona, it's so exciting to see. And, and let's see how how is the game now and how PSG reacts to that reacts to that. Definitely. Because we, we, we need to remember that the relations between Barcelona and PSG, maybe they are not the best, mm. as, they, as, as, as we can expect. Of course, definitely. All eyes are undoubtedly going to be on that. I mean, speaking of Barcelona and the Spanish league, um, you know, Barcelona, despite that loss to Manchester City, obviously they still went through, but it was still a loss. Um, you know, they're still powering through. Um, Alejandro, I've not spoken to you about that game. What did you make of their performance against Manchester City? I think that in that game, Barca had the, the qualification for the semi-final secure and they tried to experiment for new things. They tried to, to prove new things mm. in order for the end of the league, in order for Copa de la Reina also, and in order for the main tie that is going to be the semi-final tie, it was they were they they, they were expecting the rival between, at, at this time between PSG and Lyon that after the game was call off for coronavirus, mm. but now they know it's going to be PSG and they were uh, they were making experiments. So what they how they can how Jewish Cortez can face this surprise team of PSG? Definitely. Um... I mean, last season, Barcelona won the league by nine points. Of course, the league was affected by COVID. This year, um, you know, they're almost 20 points clear at at the point of recording. Um, We have seen it before. I think in the men's and the women's game, um, you know, when teams are flying for a couple of seasons, they eventually kind of burn out. Megan, do you think this is a possibility for this Barcelona team? Or do you think they've got nothing to worry about? It's definitely something that they will have to keep in mind. Like you said, it's very easy to have a good few seasons and like I said, burn out uh, and it can get that happen very quickly, even more so with the whole COVID situation. You know, fitness is even more important than ever, uh, personnel, training, all of that. So 
it's definitely something they're going to have to keep in the back of their mind because if they want to carry on dominating uh, Spanish women's football and also carry on making their mark in Europe and Champions League, they're going to have to um, act very carefully. They're going to have to maintain their fitness very carefully, their health very carefully in order to make sure that they can carry on the success into future seasons. I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, I guess when you look at that Barcelona team playing, you're thinking are they ever going to burn out they're going to be absolutely fine but you know we have seen it happen um I mean other than Barcelona it seems like every other club is dropping points some of these clubs are having an absolute mare I mean Levante did of course lose seven goals to one to Barcelona they drew last weekend against Sporting Cuelva um Alejandro is the fact that Levante lost 7-1 to Barcelona is that concerning when you consider will this side actually be able to challenge Barcelona in the future? Uh, the thing is that, it, and it hurts me It hurts me to say this so much, <laughs> Barcelona is out of reach this yeah. season for everyone. For everyone, really. No one can fight Barcelona. No one can uh, try to, to be better than them. No one can beat them. Only... We saw that they lost against Atletico Madrid and it was on a penalty shootout. It was in mm. the Spanish Super Cup. And the thing is that Levante is trying to fight for uh, to get a position in Champions League that it will be a tremendous uh, success for them, really. And, it, and, and really, that even if the, even if Barca lose, lost 7-1 with, uh, uh, with, with Levante, even if Barca won, sorry, 7-1 to them, uh, we don't. We we need to focus on the work that <clears throat> Maria Pri is doing with this team. Really, she's may, maybe one of the best Spanish coaches of the moment. She has uh, made a wonderful team with uh, very very uh, very hardworking players. Not only we're saying Esther González, that is maybe the the top scorer of Levante and one of and and maybe the, the one of the stars of the Spanish national team, but also we are seeing Eva Navarro. Stefania Vanini, uh, players that they are on a, on a bad call middle class, mm. that they are performing so well. So, really, uh, I think Levante fighting for the second position and fighting to get Champions League spot, it's so, it's so wonderful. Having into account that the favorite, it was... Not only Real Madrid, but also Atletico Madrid. Mm, of course. I mean, meanwhile, speaking of Real Madrid, um, they are now just one point behind Levante. Megan, do you think they could realistically take that spot? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a really exciting um, finish to the season for that second and third places between Levante and Real Madrid. I mean, just looking at the fixtures they've got coming up, I think... Real Madrid have got the more favourable fixtures in terms of, um, you know, how how guaranteed it is for them to get the three points. They are playing a lot of the teams down towards the bottom of the table. So this is the thing. I mean, they don't they, they need to make sure they don't count their chickens, either of the sides. They've got to eat, treat each game as it comes. Um, but just looking at the fixture list and their recent performances, I think I'd like to pip... Real Madrid to grab that second spot but it'll be a really exciting competition no matter what happens 100% um, and I mean when you look at how well Real Madrid have done I mean it is spectacular um, I mean Alejandro I'd like to get your thoughts on this as well you know like I've said Real Madrid are one point behind Levante are they taking that second spot come on uh, they need to fight for it they need to fight for it because Real Madrid DNA is winning. Yes. That is the that is the point. But also we need to take have into account that uh, this is the first season of Real Madrid and they can experience some and and they can have some unexperience on some things. For example, yesterday it was Copa de la Reina tie and Real Madrid lost with Madrid CFF 2-1 in the extra time. And I think that after losing in this competition, they need to focus on getting that second spot on the league, uh, whatever, whatever it needs. Whatever it takes, you want Real yeah. Madrid in that second <laughs> spot. Um, how will you, I mean, will you be popping open the champagne and celebrating if they get that second spot? 
Will you be shouting from the rooftops in Berlin? I mean, you must be, if that happens, it must be such a great feeling with the journey that they've been on. I would not celebrate because it's not a title. Oh, right, being, okay. And, and, and being <laughs> second, really. Real Madrid doesn't celebrate second positions. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's like Real Madrid doesn't celebrate getting into a no, final. of course. It's, it's, uh, Real Madrid celebrates titles, and I hope next season if, Real Madrid can make new new signs, new signings to the team. We can fight for some titles. Let's see. Let's see if the Champions League can be real. I think it will be a bit early, mm. but maybe a, a title, a title on, on Spain can be a good, a good, a good choice. Either league or Copa de la Reina. You know what? I wish my team was that good that I could be like. I'm not celebrating second. I'm not celebrating even getting to a final. I mean, if Manchester United, um, I mean, if we manage to get that third spot in the Women's Super League, I will probably cry tears of joy. If the men's team finishing second to Manchester City, again, tears of joy, I may cry. Um, but I love that mentality of a Real Madrid fan. Maybe I need to, I mean, maybe 10 years ago, I might have took that approach with Manchester United, but maybe, maybe I need Real to start taking that approach. Maybe. Maybe we are a bit hard with our players, but it's something Real Madrid has taken every time in all these 119 years of history. And you know what? I I definitely um, agree with that. Even just going to a couple of Real Madrid games a few years ago, um, and y you can sometimes you know hear people talking and maybe criticising some things, and I'm like, yeah, but you're, you, you're still playing all right. But it's like, no, that's not good enough. We need to be playing perfect. It's kind of like... A, a pushy parent that you know the the child's getting you know like B's at school and it's like no 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 we're not celebrating the B we need an A we need an A star if possible like it's I I literally I think it's it's a great mentality and I guess when you're a team like Real Madrid and you've won what you guys have won then it's all right to have that mentality um yeah and and also I think the, the, the Real Madrid mentality can also help help to to grow to 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 grow up even more the women's game really. yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, to instill the exact same um, kind of belief system, definitely, I, I agree. Um, I mean, looking at Real Madrid's rivals, we've got to just talk about this. Um, Atletico Madrid, they are really suffering. Um, they're currently in seventh. Um, we're past that point. If we've talked about it before and we've said, you know, are they burnt out? Are they a bit tired? You know, the Champions League fixtures, etc., etc. Alejandro, what is the real issue here? I need deets. The real issue is that this season is being very different for all the teams, including mm. Atletico Madrid. It's a season that it's uh, marked by coronavirus. It's yeah. a season of coronavirus. But uh, the thing is that uh, Atletico Madrid needs, uh, uh, has now very difficult to get on a, on a spot to play on Europe next year. And this can be a game changer on a bad way for them if they, if they don't reach a position to play in Europe next next season, really. We are seeing that even if Atletico Madrid has very good players, uh, uh, Dana Castellanos or Lacey Santos, uh, very very good Latin American players, they need some, this extra boost to fight against bigger teams. Uh, for example, against Real Madrid on the derby, we saw that Real Madrid changed the mentality and they were fighting against them so hard mm. so it was something that <clears throat> Atletico Madrid need, need to change yeah it's um it's kind of I guess like you say you know it's been a difficult season it's been a different season for for so many teams um and it it's just crazy to to see what's happened and maybe you know they can pick up some more points um, as the season goes on and maybe finish a little bit higher up the table. I think Champions League, they've probably got to kiss that one goodbye. But I think as we've mentioned before in the podcast, you know, not playing in Europe sometimes can be, um, you know, a help rather than a hindrance. It gives them time to reset. There's not as much pressure maybe. Um, you know, there yeah, are... Yeah, of course. Yeah. But really, the, the thing is that even if Atletico Madrid has had very bad performances this season... We have seen that in the in the in other competitions, for example, in Cop yesterday in Copa de la Reina, they were fighting against Real Sociedad, yeah. and they and they uh, earned the ticket to semi-finals with a late-minute goal. Mm. So it was something that you say, what really? Uh, At uh, Atletico Madrid 
uh, they were they were fight they, they they showed a poor level in the league, but in in other competitions in Copa de la Reina, they they did a wonderful job and they reached the semifinals. It's so strange for this team. It is. It's it's crazy. Like you say, that juxtaposition of you're not doing great in the league, you can't seem to get it together, but when a cup game comes around the corner, you're ready to go. Um, I mean, there are still a lot of games to go uh, in the league. Meng, do you think that there's any that th- there's any hope for this team? I think there is hope for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not be pessimists about it. Of course, there's hope for this team. When they're Atletico Madrid, they've got such a big history behind them, and I know they'll bounce back, but I think... In terms of focusing on this season, like you said, I think the goal of Champions League qualification is kind of out of sight now. So I think they just need to turn their attention to finishing off this season the best way they can, finishing off in the best position possible, and then really using the next coming months whilst, you know, the league's not going on during the summer, during the pre-season months to, you know, like Alejandro said, get, you know, Re- regroup, refocus, get the players that they need on board so that can really give them that edge that they need to do well in the upcoming league. And as well, because they won't have European fixtures to have to focus on, that means they can turn all their attention to the league and the Spanish Cups. So it might be a bit of a blessing in disguise for them. But I mean, in terms of this season, they now just need to focus on doing the best they can in the last few games they've got of the league and then hoping to, you know, really push on over uh, the next few months, over pre-season, and get them back where they belong in this league. I agree. Um, and and I really, really hope uh, hope that happens for them. Um, because, you know, they're, they're a, a club with so much, like you say, so much history. They have had so many brilliant moments, um, you know, in the Spanish league. And, and I want to see them, them back to that, and hopefully they will. Um, I mean, those are our three stops across Europe looking at some of the games. Um, Time for our hot topic now. And and this week, I thought we could touch on the Olympics. Um, This week, the groups were drawn for the competition. And there will be some interesting fixtures. I mean, we'll kick off with Team GB. They do not have it easy in their group. You know, I was looking, they've got the host Japan, they've got Canada and also Chile in their group. You know, this will be Team Great Britain's second appearance at the tournament. Alejandro, um, as a neutral, do you have high hopes for this Team GB? Of course, really watching the best players of the, of Great Britain joining together on the Olympics, it's a wonderful thing. And also in a competition like the Olympic Games, is we are not only going to see the best players of England, but also some of the players of Scotland and also... I hope to see also some Northern Ireland play, Ireland players after they qualified yes. for for the for for the for the Euro. Definitely. Um I mean Megan, what was your reaction to that group as Japan and Canada were drawn out? I mean, it's a tricky one really because I think I would say that we've avoided the typical group of death. Yeah. But saying that, like you said, we're facing the host, Japan, who are a really strong side. We're also facing Canada, who I know it was an England team and not a Team GB team. However, we're facing a Canada side that only a few weeks ago, England couldn't beat. And of course, you know, we've still got to remember that we'll have some of the best Scottish players and Welsh players in the Team GB team. But still, it doesn't exactly fill me with confidence because I'm just thinking, you know, having looked at that performance a few weeks ago, we've got to change something drastically if we want to bring the fight to them during the Olympics. So absolutely, by no means is it an easy group at all. But I think if we really get our act together and if the players from the different uh, countries gel, which I'm sure they will be able to do very easily because a lot of them play in the same teams uh, within the WSL, um, we could have a really, really good go of this. Yeah, it, it really is exciting. Um, and I mean, you know, looking at Chile, this will be their debut in the tournament. Alejandro, this, you know, is surely an exciting moment for women's football that we have another South American team taking part. Of course, really. And being a, a national team like Chile, that it all surprised, it was a nice surprise in the last World Cup and they have a, a wonderful players. And sorry, it's my, my weakness is... Tiane Erler, I always say maybe the go the best goalkeeper in the world. Mm. 
So let's see how they perform. I hope they will have a very complicated uh, way because in being in the same group like Japan, Canada, and Great Britain, it it will show they are maybe the Cinderella in this group. But let's see if they can if they can have the surprise and make and make a Cinderella dance in the Olympics. <laughs> I love that Cinderella does. Maybe they'll uh, they'll find the glass slipper and uh, yeah, and and all will be well for Chile. Um, or maybe yeah. they won't lose the glass slipper to begin with, and they'll be good. Um, yeah, or they'll have a fairy godmother. Who knows? Of course, and also seen that they have also many players from the Spanish league. Uh, really, uh, I'm happy to see Javier Ator or Jan Araed or Camila Saez. Uh, they they ha- having the, the Olympics experience, so it will be so wonderful. Definitely. Um, I mean, at London 2012, and I'll be honest, London 2012 to me gave the impression of we're hosting, we need a team in everything, we've not really taken the women's game seriously, let's just get a team together and hope for the best. Um, and to be honest, it was I took it as more of an, an insult, to be honest, especially when it wasn't continued and there was no consistency with it. I found it quite irritating. But, you know, at London 2012... Great Britain did win all three of their group games um, before, of course, losing to Canada in the quarterfinals. Um, Canada's women have won bronze at the last two games. Megan, what do you make of this um, this Canada team that Great Britain will be facing? I mean, I think it goes without saying they're a really, really strong side. They have some absolute quality in their ranks. Um, you know, think about the likes of Janine Becky, obviously playing for City in the WSL. She's absolute quality on the ball, both her defending and attacking. Um, you've got Jesse Fleming as well, who also plays for Chelsea, a really, really tricky midfielder who's done really well for the occasions that she's had game time in WSL. And I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but going back to the match against England a few weeks ago, right out of the you know right from the starting whistle Canada were on the front foot and they had some real attacking intent behind them and of course as well their manager Bev Priestman who used to um, help Phil Neville manage England women's team so they've got a quality coach and some quality players so I think they have the opportunity to have a really really successful Olympic Games this year. They, they really do um, and it, it's going to be exciting it will ve- be very exciting to see GB face Canada and see if uh, a few of those England players um, can right a few wrongs um, or if some of the players from other nations can maybe uh, turn up and and show those England players how you play against Canada. Who knows? Um, But I mean, I wanted to ask both of you. I'll start with you, Alejandro. Which two teams do you see realistically progressing out of this Group E? Big question. I'll say, in theory... They will be Great Britain and Canada. They are the strongest teams, and I think they are the both candidates to go to the quarterfinals and then fight for the medals. But let's see if Japan can make the surprise of, of, of being the host nation in the Olympics. And also, why not Chile can have a surprise and get get a one 0 win against one of the of the biggest teams of the. Of the of the of the biggest uh, uh, competitors and burn the group and 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 make all the all the pro, all all the all the predictions. Yeah, c- completely. Maybe you know what, like you say, you're giving you're giving a lot of life to Chile. I'm starting to maybe believe <laughs> that they could really. I mean, Cinderella Magic or not, I feel like they are seriously gonna. They could they could bring it. What do you reckon, Megan? Yeah, I think. I'll have to agree with Alejandro on that one. Um, I'm keeping all my fingers crossed, obviously, for Team GB. And then, yeah, I would say Canada as well. But obviously, we can't... I feel like I need to touch wood here because I feel like I'm <laughs> counting out Japan too easily. Yeah, I know. Japan are quality and they have some incredible players in their ranks. So it's going to be a really, really tough one. Um, and it'll be some great competitions all throughout the group. And I mean... I've never even seen Chile play, but just listening to Alejandro, I'm excited already. So it's going to be great. But yeah, I hope Team GB in Canada. Yeah, I I would probably go with the same uh, the same two teams. But yeah, I feel like Chile are going to rock the boat a little bit. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, looking at Group F, we have China, Brazil, Zambia, and the Netherlands. Um, China, Brazil, and the Netherlands are all within the top fifteen countries according to FIFA rankings. Um. 
And, you know, Brazil did manage a couple of decent performances in the She Believes Cup. Um, Alejandro, do you expect them to challenge in this group? Of course, really. Uh, Brazil can have good and bad performances, but when it comes to a competition, it's a team that they always compete and they always fight. Uh, they, they, they don't care of which team is in front. They will go with 200% and they will try to make a surprise and they will try to fight at, until the last second. We saw it on the World Cup. They were they, they uh, on the on the eight fight on the last sixteen uh, game. They had a very tough rival in front, but Brazil was competing until the last second, and the team who beat them needed a lot of effort to to win them. Yeah, um, I I am really excited to see Brazil, um, and I'm also really excited um, to to see Zambia and a uh, bit of Angelina story time. Um, for Zambia, this will be the first time that we see them competing. Uh, like I say, I'm excited. In 1985, almost no country in Africa had a women's national football team, and it was formally organised by the Football Association of Zambia in 1983. Since that time, women's football continues to be supported by the National Federation. They've actually budgeted money for the women's game and youth game, which is massive. Um and, you know, whilst the women's game does suffer from issues like fundamental inequality, the fact that, you know, with a lot of places, um, quality footballers do sometimes leave the continent for greater opportunities. You know, two of Zambia's national team players currently do play in Spain. Um, however, the fact that they have made it this far, it must be really exciting um, for the country, for the people, for the supporters. Megan, how important are stories like this and to see countries qualifying for the first time? Oh my God, they're so important and I'm so delighted for Zambia. It's the stories you love to see, really. And, you know, for a, a football team that's hardly even, what, 40 years old, the fact that they've made it to Olympics is such a huge achievement. And I think for Zambia, regardless of how they perform at the Olympics, their real achievement is getting to the Olympics in itself. And it will provide such an incredible stage um, for Zambia to showcase their football to their home supporters and to supporters all over the world so it's just fantastic to see I mean wherever women's football is being developed I love it so it's it's just such a great story and I really am going to be rooting for Zambia when uh, the Olympics come around. I, I 100% agree I'm with you on that one Um, I mean of course there is China there is the Netherlands Um, the Netherlands the internationals for the Netherlands were a little bit up and down Um. But again, Alejandro, I'll start with you. Which two teams do you see qualifying? I'll say Netherlands and Brazil. They yeah. are the two favourites. Netherlands is the vice world champion and Brazil is the team that always competes. And I think there will be China in the, in, in, in the, in the group. So I think that they will be the both, both mm. two teams that they will go to the quarterfinals. What about you, Megan? Yeah, I mean, not to sound like a, a copycat again, but I think Alejandro's got it spot on. I'd I'd completely agree. Um, I think those are the two strongest teams on paper in the group. So yeah, I, I imagine they'll progress through the group. Yeah, um, I again, copycat Angelina, I would probably have to go with the same, but I guess, like you say, looking on paper, do not get me wrong, some teams might surprise. I love a surprise in a group stage as long as it's not maybe the the nation or the club that I'm probably back in. Um, so long as the surprises happen to other people, I am all here for it. Um, so yeah, I would love to see maybe China or Zambia shake things up a little bit, but I do feel like the Netherlands and Brazil um, will be going through. I mean, looking at the, the final group, um, Group G, we've got Sweden, the USA, Australia and New Zealand. Alejandro, who do you think the USA's biggest challenge will be we have here the group of death yes <laughs> definitely but i think really here the biggest challenge for the u.s will be sweden i yeah. think it's, it's, it is the team that they have faced recently in in the last international break and it's a team that they can also they can it, they, uh, sweden can beat the u.s and they have talent and players to make make a bad surprise to the to the actual world champions Australia, they were suffering a lot in the last international break, and I, and I, but I think they will have the competitive rhythm for the Olympics. And New Zealand, I think even if they have, uh, they, they have qualified and they have and they want to make a good, uh, they will want to make a good performance because not only for the Olympics, but also because they will have the World Cup in two years' time. Think about that because it will be a two-year 
preparation for the World Cup for this for this New Zealand team, it's going to be a it's going to be a very tough uh, Olympic uh, experience for them, I think. It will be. I mean, the the competition really is on, and you know, like Alejandro just touched on, Megan, Australia's last two friendlies, they weren't great. Um, do you think that they'll be able to bounce back? Yeah, I mean, I thought I was really surprised with um, Australia's recent form. You know, losing five nil to the Netherlands, five two to Germany. They have, I mean, they absolutely have the quality in their ranks to perform well. You know, Ellie Carpenter, who's at Lyon, Sam Kerr, who's at Chelsea. They have the the world class personnel. So to have seen them done you know, have a bit of a dip in form recently. It's been quite surprising. So, you know, there's still a few months to go. Um, and I would, I'd like to think that they can, you know, regroup and kind of get back together because on their day, Australia are an absolutely cracking side. But obviously something's been going wrong for the last few matches. So there's clearly definitely some problems that they need to address before um, they make it to the Olympics. I agree. Hopefully they can sort things out and, you know, kind of get back to those uh, winning ways um, so that you don't seem like a copycat, Megan. We'll go with you first. Um, which two teams do you see qualifying from this group? For me, it's got to be Sweden and the USA. Yeah, um, I think they're the by far the two strongest teams of the group. Um, and yeah, I think they'll breeze through. What about you, Alejandro? I will go the same way as our guest, our Megan today, and I will say that uh, Sweden and the USA they will be the top two in the team, in, yeah. in different, in 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 no matter what order, but they will be the top two. There is no other chance. Yeah, I think it will be really interesting seeing how um, how those two, how they do place, which one will be uh, above the other. It will be very interesting. I think I would probably agree. Um, you know, I think you cannot. Um, you cannot underestimate Sweden and what they bring, do you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I'm really excited for that group, the group of death. Um, I mean, this year we are missing the likes of Germany, France, South Africa, etc. cetera. Um, obviously Germany won in 2016. Um, who, who's winning gold, guys? Um, Alejandro, who, who's taking home that gold? Is it going to be Chile or someone else? <laughs> Is it going? Is it no? Chile really? Uh, thinking, <laughs> thinking of a medal from Chile is like, is is is. We will need a miracle to have that, <laughs> <laughs> a miracle on the grass, like the like the Olympic miracles of the US. Yes, <laughs> <It's> hockey. <laughs> but no, talking seriously, I think really this the US is the main candidate to win the gold. But then, if Netherlands can make the surprise and they can go a step ahead, they can do. They can also be the 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 dark horses for to get the golden medal. Mm, definitely. What about you, Megan? What do you reckon? I've got to back my home nation here. Of I course. Think I just have to. So I'm gonna positively think and say Team GB because you have to remember this isn't an England side. This is a Team GB side. So we have access to the likes of Caroline Weir, um, Erin Cuthbert, Sophie Ingle. Kim Little, and these are the, some of the best players, not only in the WSL, but I would say in the world. So mm. we have the, we're lucky to be able to pick and choose the best players from across um, GB. So I think, you know, and we went, I, I know, again, I know it was an England side, but we did so well in the World Cup and we went toe to toe with the USA in that semi-final for so long. So I think, honestly, if we get our act together and, you know, they really gel as a team. I really do see us with a shot of winning. Fingers crossed. I mean, you, you've got me believing. I'm feeling confident now. <laughs> I mean, I definitely agree, of course. I will be backing Team GB all the way. Um, I think it's going to be a really exciting tournament. I think it's going to be um, a really good test for, you know, the, the different individual nations coming together. I think it's going to be really, really great. Very exciting. Um regarding who will win um and i don't mean this is any shade but i'd like somebody other than the usa to win just because I, yeah. it's everyone go oh, the usa will win but, you know they've had you know quite a lot quite a lot of of dominance really you know on the on the national worldwide scale do you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i just i just think it would be really nice for women's football to see a couple of other names in the mix which is why i'm glad to see you know the likes of chile and zambia taking part um 
I feel like the Netherlands could really bring it. Um, I feel like obviously this is going to be their last tournament with a certain manager um, who is probably going to want to go out with a bang. Um, so I think definitely I agree with Alejandro that all eyes, you know, should be, you know, on on the Netherlands. I think they really could bring it. Um, I think Brazil will be really exciting. Sweden. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to go positive with you, Megan. I'm going to back the home team. Team GB are bringing at least one gold medal home. <laughs> and it's going to be that um that women's football gold medal um that's that's what i'm going with that's what i'm stating we're putting it out there into the universe and it's going to happen i've got everything just as a just as a, a reminder thing that in women's football a part of volleyball is the only competition is the only uh, team team sport that spain didn't qualify didn't qualify a team because in the rest of the other teams of the olympics we have Spanish teams. Well, I guess we should probably. I mean, looking at some of the players uh, that would have lined up in that team, I think we're probably quite lucky that that didn't happen. Um, because Absolutely. I think they one hundred percent would have been contenders. Do you not think, Alejandro? Yeah, they will be. They will be tough contenders for this uh, gold medal. And it will be a very hard, very, very hard, but very funny competition. Mm. And also, we know the timetable, so we need to wake up very early in Europe. We do. To see them. <laughs> we need to set our alarms, guys. We are all going to be watching Team GB. Bring it home. Alejandro, Spain are not in it, so you can be an honorary Team GB uh, supporter. And yeah, we'll all get up early. We'll watch these games. And you know what? Like I say, as a Manchester United fan, you can't really celebrate. Uh, I shouldn't really celebrate finishing second or third, but this is a case where we're actually going to be allowed to celebrate with regards to Real Madrid's standards in that we'll have a gold medal, so we'll all be allowed to celebrate, won't we? <laughs> yeah, I, un I understand in the Olympics, I understand that you can uh, celebrate as a, a silver or a bronze medal. Oh, oh right. Oh, listen, we are celebrating, Megan. Listen, I'm telling in, you now. In the Olympics, I, I accept it, I understand, because, for example, in other sports, you cannot compete with, with bigger nations and bigger teams so celebrating a silver or a bronze medal is okay okay thank you for allowing us to do that i am confident <laughs> that we are going to get one of those medals and we will be celebrating and popping open the champagne so that is everything for today's One Football Women's Football podcast. And a big, big thank you as always to my guests, to Alejandro and to Megan for taking part and to all of you guys for listening. As always, if you want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com. And do not forget, you can head to Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast really, to listen to more podcasts from One Football. One Football.